What's going on? Everybody, you've got the cardboard coach here with your boy, Coach Co. And team, today we got a very special guest on the podcast here. We've got Greg Long Longto. I think I got it right, even though I butchered it a little bit. How are you doing today, man? Very good. And got to say that starting off uh, my week and seeing that intro live, that legendary intro you got live, so impressive. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, I should also mention right off the hop that uh, you are part of the, is it Show, show des Cartes is, is how you pronounce it, right? And that's Yeah, uh, it, it's French for card show. Yeah, perfect. So I just launched a podcast, you know, about two years ago and was wondering how I could name it. And I, I was, you know, running names through my head and I was like, why not just take card show, show de cartes in French? So card is carte. Like, um, how is it in um, how is it in Portuguese? Is it carta? Is it how you name like, it or like whatever? Ca- like cartas. Cartas. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. it's show de cartes. I love it. That's so it. I I was super excited to have you on. I mean, we have similar values on a lot of things. Um, this is going to be a, a great conversation if you're into hockey cards specifically. Uh, and uh, not just that, but, you know, self-development. Uh, if you're if you want to know about Brent Clark, these are the two guys to <laughs> listen to. Um, man, let's start off. Talk to me about starting a podcast. Like how where, how does that come about um, two years ago? So that's pretty specific, like 2022. So it's not like right at the height of the market. Things start to come down a little bit. Where's your head at when it comes to starting that podcast? Well, I just, you know, I, I'm a, I think I'm just a passionate guy. And sometimes I just, you know, I, I think a lot about what I do and what's my next move in life. And, but when I do things out of passion, I just don't think it through too much. And I, I just started being passionate about cards. I was working at the, our local radio station, sports radio station, BPM sports. And, um, every day I was working with George Larac. And he's he's a huge collector and he's got an LCS and all that stuff. So uh, by speaking with him a lot and his uh, business partner, I got, you know, I got passionate about this and started collecting and buying cards and all that stuff. And then uh, started writing articles about this and making my own research, sometimes not even sleeping, you know, at night and just waking up and thinking about cards and making researches on eBay and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, the same I I've. I've been a content creator since 2016 in many different realms. Yeah. And um, just, you know, I, I just decided to start a podcast without, you know, saying, hey, I know everything and this is how it's going to be. And this is, you know, where the market's going. Not at all. It was just like, hey, th- let's discover you know, the, the hobby together and, and grow together. I I saw a lot of people that, you know, were getting into the hobby in 2021, 2022. And um, yeah, if you listen to the first episodes, it's just me that doesn't know shit about what I'm talking about or just a little bit because I'm doing so much research. But, you know, uh, my my co-host Yannick is a Bible like he's been, you know, the usual stuff like you and I got in got in cards in the 90s, got yeah. out for like 25 years and yeah. came back after like he never left. Yeah. He was always in cards all of his life, always collecting and buying and so, so yeah, that, that, that's pretty much it. We do a great pair together and, uh, 
and uh, it, it grew to what it is today. I love that, man. And it, it, there's a common theme on this podcast anyway. It seems like everyone I, I, I bring on uh, t tells me that they're just incredibly passionate about whatever they're doing in the space. You know, whether that's, you know, I've had Cassius Marsh on talking about um, like Magic the Gathering and just being so passionate yep. about that. Uh, I had recently had Lauren on talking about like card art, so passionate about that. Like the, the list goes on and on. And obviously the, your name is added to this list. And, you know, especially when you start talking about not being able to sleep because you're just thinking about all these either sets or, you know, how this adds up or, you know, you start diving into a, a, a certain player and you're like, well, what can I grab of this player? Maybe watching highlights. Like there are so many different facets of this hobby to fall in love with. And then there are so many different reasons to fall in love with collecting sports cards that if you found what it is that you're looking for, you you really do obsess over it. You really do kind of dive in head first. You really want to talk to other people about it. You know, like I find um, for me personally, uh, when I start to find things I really like, you know, and for me, it's like set collecting. Or, you know, I also like the prospecting game. I find it difficult because, you know, as you start to create content and as you start to acquire more and more followers, you don't want to really have an influence over what other people are buying and selling, if that makes sense. Does that happen to you? Um, yes. Yes. And uh, we... we you know, re we repeat it week after week on the podcast that we're not financial advisors. So, you know, a lot of people like they listen to our content and they listen probably to yours and they're like, hey, what's this week's buy, sell, hold? And th this is the question that you've got. So we give our perspective of the market, but at the same time, I'm just an open book. Like I've been collecting Quinton Byfield for a long time. And uh, now he, he got his pop in the market. It's like, People finally realize how good he is. Yeah, and uh, you had to believe uh, in this guy for a long time, but now, um, yeah. So, so the market realizes it, and that that's cool to see. But at the same time, um, yeah, I I don't want to have it, it's a tough burden to have, you know. So yeah, you don't want to have a responsibility, but at the same time, I mean, I'm not. I I don't want to hide what I'm buying and what I'm passionate about and what I like. I've been collecting Dawson Mercer for a while. And I saw some people told me that, it, you know, prices went up or, you know, the Mercer or devil's spots in some breaks have been hard to find because I've been talking about him on the podcast and, you know, so be it. If people make their research and they think that, uh, you know, it makes sense to have this player and they, they just like him. I mean, for me, uh, Brent Clark, I, I, you know, I've been collecting him. You've been collecting him yeah. as well. And, you know, people know how good he is. So I don't think by me talking about my passion of my collection, um, you know, I think on the prospecting side of things, you know, people will always look for the next Kale McCarr for the yeah. next Connor McDavid for the next yeah. Jack Hughes. Um, well, the next Connor McDavid is pretty easy to identify. It's Connor Bedard. So, yeah. I mean, but yeah. the the next Jack Hughes, the guy who's going to get his pop or whatever. But as for legends, you know, I, I've been also collecting Drew Doughty and Andre Kopitar. 
you know, I, I don't think by me talking about Dowdy and Kopitar yeah. um, on different platforms that people will start buying them and there, there will be a buzz on the market. I think that would be very selfish to think so, you know? Yeah, no, no. I agree with you when it comes to like sound bets. Like I, I think that, you know, where I struggle is, I mean, number one, if I'm set collecting and I start showing off a lot of the cards in the set, I find that like almost selfishly, like I don't want to, I don't want someone else to take it from me. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> right. Like, so I'm like, yeah. I'm like, especially the stuff I'm collecting, like I can't really find, like I, I, I struggle, like I'm abusing eBay searches, right? Like I get the emails, I get text messages. Like when something comes up, like I'm trying to snag it. And uh, I'm talking specifically for set collecting. Like I have no problem going to war with someone for like a prospect. And then I'm like, you know what? Like I'm not really down to like pay that or whatever the case may be. But yeah, yeah. when a card pops up for a set that you just, you're like, man, I haven't seen this card in nine months or I haven't seen this card in like a year and a half or Gotta go for like, it. I don't, I just don't want, I, I want the pool to be so small of people I'm competing against. <laughs> yeah. There's that side, but, but it's always, it, it's a, a two, two edged sword for me because you know sometimes you, you'll get you, you know you see the prices going up you see the hype like um brent clark when when you know in sp authentic it, it was almost impossible for me to buy uh his spots in any breaks or you know his cards there was a major hype and all that stuff at the at expo the same... his at the expo his spa was like uh or his future watch autograph was like 350 or something i was like man what yeah. like this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. And yeah, at that time, I think he had hunt. like six points in the, in the AHL. I was like, oh, what are you guys doing right now? Stop. Yeah, the huge <laughs> hype. Like, huge, <laughs> yeah, huge rookie hype. But, you know, I, I like the fact that Upper Deck paired, you know, the Toronto Expo with uh, SP Authentics released twice this year. Yeah. But um, at the same time, uh, you know, uh, and I, I'm still sorry for this, Coach Co. I'm sorry. But the future watch auto patch one of one, um, a guy that listens to my podcast got it. Sent, I was got sent it. it to me and he was like, <laughs> Hey man, you got to get this card. I was like, where is it? I, I couldn't have this card in my collection. So at the same time, yes, it creates a hype. You know, people will listen and, and, you know, some of them will take a chance on some of these prospects, but at the same time, some others are like, Hey man, this card's got to be in your collection, dude. Um, and they will help you find the pieces you need. So uh yes you know uh, and i like to say it in french sometimes on my podcast but sometimes you're the hammer sometimes you're the nail in everything you do so yeah <laughs> it's true it's true yeah it's funny i was out to dinner that day actually with like a friend of mine who's also in the two friends of mine who are also in the market and we we're talking about brent clark and uh i was like did you see the one of one was pulled today and he's like yeah and i'm like i reached out to the breaker and he said that there's already like a deal in place i was like I was like, I know exactly who the fuck that is. And then I messaged you and I was like, yo, did you fucking, <laughs> and you're like, how did you know? I'm like, this brick. <laughs> yeah, man. It's a nice uh, patch too, man. It's a really nice patch. Yeah, it's a nice patch. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's upside down. So people on Instagram were like, oh, yeah, upper deck fucking messed this up. And I was like, dude, it's a manufactured patch. Yes. Yeah. You know, whatever the card looks great. It's a one of one. Yeah. I just love the look of it, and um, yeah, I, I'm. You know, it it was a a big project to try and do the whole YG rainbow and then the future watch rainbow. 
and I was able to do it. So I think I now ice is uh, releasing next week and I got to add this, um, you know, ice batch on 10 out of 10 to, to the collection. So, it, and you know, the collecting, much, bro, you're going nuts. How much do you think you spend on Brad Clark? Do you want to, do you want to disclose it or no? Oh my God. I don't know. Right on the top of, right on the top of my head. I don't know. About 10 K I think. But at the same time, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's not just about the player sometimes. It's yeah, about yeah, the course. achievement of getting the whole, you know, how many, you know, how many people I, I've seen it with different, you know, uh, I don't want to say random players, but, you know, sometimes people are like, hey, I PC this player who plays on the fourth line or whatever, but of popular players, how many uh, times have you seen a whole rainbow completed? Honestly, and the fact that I got, the, I thought you were gonna say more, way more than 10k. If I'm gonna be real with you, right? Because like you have like the uh, clear cut exclusive, which is not easy to find. High gloss, the high gloss, acetate. yeah, yeah. Like that's those things are, I mean, a couple thousand a piece for you know. So I, I don't. And then you <laughs> add the one of one. What? <laughs> it's probably twelve. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but. It's yeah, still, it's just... I mean, like, and it's it's awesome, especially because he just got called up, right? Like, he just got called up. Yeah, played his first game yesterday. He logged like 15 minutes, minus one, nothing great. But I mean, his first is he's 20 years old, and uh, so I'm I'm wishing nothing but success for both him and uh, and your PC, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm 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 happy, and it's just for me. It's not it, it's not even about the money. You know, sometimes we. You know, everyone, everyone does it in the market. You know, I, I know some people, oh, I'm a pure collector. I never sell. Everyone does it. Everyone sells cards, buy some cards, try to get their PC that cost them, you know, the less possible. And, you know, it, it, it's the game and it's perfect like this. But for me, you know, collecting this player and collecting Kings players that I found out, yes, I started in the market buying, selling, and I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed. Yeah, probably. I enjoyed yeah. that a lot you know, buying, trading, selling, and, you know, buying a bigger card and then being able to, you know, trade up, trade down, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, finding, you know, the, what we're doing now, you know, this discovering other people's PCs, the right card to the right collector. But when it comes to my King's PC, like, I, I don't want to move those cards, man. I just, you know, so people, are, oh man, you invested a lot in Brent Clark. And I'm like, I don't know if it's investment because I wouldn't move any, you know, if I move one card, it means I'm going to, you know, destroy this whole rainbow, you know, both, both of his YG and future watch. So yeah. Not too sure about it. That's an interesting perspective. And I love that. Cause like, there's like a true collector sense there, right? Where you're like, there's like an incompleteness if you move one of them. So yeah. that's, uh, I think that's a really important like designation and, and something that not a lot, not a lot of people talk about quite frankly. Talk to me a little bit about your how this journey starts, though. So, like you, you mentioned that you started in in the early nineties, or not? I don't want to say early nineties. Yeah, yeah, ninety two, ninety three, early nineties. Yeah, the and, uh, the um, infamous junk wax era. Yes, and and like, what were you collecting at the time? Um, a lot of Marty Brodeur and goaltenders, from what I remember. Uh, That's you know, pretty cool. I, yeah, man, and I, I still have a few Marty Brothers uh, cards from back then, like the showstoppers with in my head, I thought it was, you know, a couple of hundred bucks. And 
I think it's like a two or three dollar card, but I still got it in my PC somewhere. And yeah, um, st still love seeing those cards. You know, I remember you know trading with a lot of people, like my neighbor. Um, she had some cousins that came down from Toronto and they had a lot of Leafs cards. So we used to trade together and, um, you know, Felix Badvin was huge at the time. And, you know, that whole set of goaltenders masks from yeah. 1992, I don't know if you remember, but yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so these cards were, and that, that's, that's how I fell in love with, with the Kings. That's how I became a Kings fan. I was really, really young and had a lot of Kings cards and Wayne Gretzky as well. And I loved that Jersey. And then the, the Montreal Canadiens faced the Kings in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I was the only one in my class that, you know, was a Kings fan and uh, got bullied afterwards when the Canadians won the cup because I was like, ah, okay, you loser, you guys lo lost the cup. And that's impressive. Gretzky. That's impressive. Yeah. So, I mean, like I... the fact that you stuck to your guns, like even though everyone else was, I mean, at this, you're, literally, you're literally from Montreal, you know, <laughs> like I know. And, <laughs> And like during the cup final and you're still like, no, I'm a Kings fan. But I mean, I still, you know, I, I've always been a Kings fan will always be, but you know, I mean, I, I, I was the, the first to be super happy when the Canadians were in the Stanley cup finals two yeah. years ago. Yeah. And you know, so we're here, you got to live with, with the hype. You know, if I was living in Toronto, pulling for another team, you know, you want the Leafs to do well, you yeah. look at the city buzzing, everyone happy, you know, so you want to yeah. live that, especially working in sports media full time. So, uh, you know, you, you, you just, you just ride the wave. So, so that's how I got into collecting. And then, uh, you know, just, just like pretty much a lot of people, um, le left the hobby and, and came back working with, with George and, and Yoan, uh, every single day. And, um, yeah, it's just, I, I, I don't know how it, my, my girlfriend still, uh, is still very, I, I don't know if you know, she's discouraged or impressed by, uh, you know, everything uh, I, I've built in so little time, like knowledge and, you yeah. know, um, I don't want to say expertise, but, you know, all the research I'm doing and, yeah, um, yeah how, how I got invested so fast in that that world, in the hobby that we live in. But, uh, you know, yeah, that's it. How is it working with George LaRock? Or like, does he have any cool stories? Well, of course, but I mean, he, the guy is, is, is a pure gem. He's always happy, always smiling. He's super intense. Um, so yeah, it's just, just a lot of fun. He, he became a, a very good friend of mine. He's one of the most generous humans I know. And, um, yeah, it was funny because, you know, I, I work with him in the studio in Montreal. So we're just, um, not, now we're not working on the same radio show together, but we're still, you know, a small a small family yeah at, at bpm sports and uh, he came to visit at the toronto expo i think it was in april yes it was in april and he was like hey let's go see uh let's go see some friends and i don't think we we were able to have three steps before someone stopped him and i was man george is a freaking legend here man. <laughs> it was crazy <laughs> I so, love that, man. Yeah, he's he's yeah, he's super genuine, uh, super generous. He's a outstanding human being, and yeah, one of the best, one of the best humans I know. Talk to me about space, uh, sports radio. Like, how does how how did you decide that that you were gonna pursue that career path? It, it's it, it's very funny how how it started because you know how I was um, competing in CrossFit at the time. Yeah. And I just, um, you know, 
one day, you know, when, when I hit 30 years old, I decided that after five years, giving everything I had to, to CrossFit and try to compete. And, you know, it was, you know, early 2010 and so 2013 to 2015, something like that. And, um, people were very intense and trying to make their way. And even though, you know, CrossFit is a sport that if you, you know, train hard and commit to the sport, it takes a lot of time and, and dedication. And I, you know, with a career and, you know, personal life, I couldn't commit, uh, that much. So I just stopped competing in a very big local competition with about a thousand athletes. They called me and they said, you know, uh, the, the, the competition is coming, uh, in September. And I said, ah, you know what? Not interested, man. I, I just, I'm, I'm not competing anymore. And they said, no, we want you to emcee the, the event. Said, oh, me? Said, yeah. We, we think that'd be a, you know, a nice touch and, you know, you'd be kind of good to do that. It's like, okay. So I, I said yes. And, you know, right when I had the, the, the mic and I started, you know, doing that, that MC thing, it clicked right away. So just like, just like with cards and actually all of this led to cards. And, um, I started MC local competitions, international competitions as well, traveling to MC and, um, the local radio station that I was working at before then as a sales rep, they called me back and they said, Hey, you know what? Uh, we have this fitness show coming and we probably need someone to, uh, you know, to, to host the show. And yeah. okay, why not? So I started there and, uh, hosting like a fitness show that was uh, aired on the weekends, uh, once a week for one hour. And then, you know, trying to help the, the, the different shows during the pandemic saying, Hey, I'm available. I'm here. So if you, if you need just call and, uh, so just starting to talk about different sports, hockey, football, baseball, whatever. And then, you know, a couple of years later, here we are. Um, I, I'm able to do that almost full time now with, uh, you know, the card, um, the card podcast as well and all of that venture. So I'm just, I'm trying to crunch there a couple of years, but you know, just saying yes to an opportunity that I, I thought I would definitely suck at and just, you know, some, please some friends. Okay. Like you, you think it's going to be good for your event. So I'm going to yeah. do it. And then discovering a, a passion and yeah, let's face it, a talent as well. Did you have any pre uh, previous experience with like, like, uh, emceeing or, or, you know, talking Never. publicly? No, it was the first time. I mean, I, I that's cool. I, I was never shy of, you know, going in front of the class and doing these, you know, the how do you call it in English? Presentation. The, uh, yeah, oral presentation. Yeah. So didn't have any problem with that. But, you know, yeah, it, it was the, the first experience. And at first, you know, having a mic and just hearing your voice, you're like, oh, so intimidating. And, you know, a couple of minutes after people came to see me, like, hey, man is this your first time? Yeah. It's like, Oh, cool. So you realize that when they ask the questions, like, Oh, I, I, I sound like I have a bit of an experience or something. Yeah. And, um, no, man, it's, yeah, it, it was a great, you know, a great, um, how can I say that for sure? You remember the first time that you probably, uh, you know, hit some weights, some dumbbells or something that you discovered that, you know, you liked something and it yeah. was going to be a passion. And, you, you know, in the back of your head that you're, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm, you know, I want to get into that. I want to know more. Uh, the same thing about discovering cards. And um, so that was kind of the 
one of those moments in my life and it opened so many doors about so many uh friendships and you know knowledge and things so yeah i'm definitely very grateful about this i love that but i will tell you that my story is completely different like so and that's why i wanted to hear so much about yours and that's why it's always so fascinating when i hear these stories from you know people saying like the, the seas parted and especially when something just clicks right away like for me i so i first started working out i was probably like 14 or 15 i think i was like in grade nine and a bunch of my friends started working out at school and i was like you know what i'm gonna go with you guys we're gonna all learn how to you know use the gym it was a local community yeah. center gym so it was like uh not that intimidating and you know we kind of went in there we had a little bit of private like previous knowledge in terms of like researching stuff and we all kind of like learned together some of us knew a little bit more than others but we had like spots and you know each other to motivate and then i got a girlfriend and then so like i worked out for probably six months i got a girlfriend and then i stopped working out for like a year and Classic um, teenage move. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I stopped working over like a year, right? <clears throat> so it's not like I found it and I was like, I need to do this all the time. I'm obsessed with it. You know, as soon as we broke up, I went right back to the gym because again, like as a teenager, like I need to like now I need to get like fit as hell. And uh, like early stage working out for me was very much about like the physical. It was all like the get it like aesthetics you know it was all like you know i need to put myself in a different social class in terms of like i guess desirability right yeah. and it was all very um you know we talk about self-confidence and i'm sure that opens doors too and and all that stuff but at the end of the day it's, it was truly about like how i looked and then as i continued to work out you know it wasn't until i was probably like 18 or 19 where someone had suggested that there was a there was a vacancy at uh local good life fitness and they're like you should apply for a trainer and i was like i i really i don't want to do it he's, he's like or she's like do you already help people like you should just do it and uh i was like i i really i don't want to like i feel like people just they're in whatever reality that they're in and I don't want to force anyone to, to change. And it's so hard to change old, old patterns of behavior. Uh, and they're like, just try it. If you don't like it, you can just be like front desk. And so I tried it. And I, I, in that moment, I discovered actually more about working out than I had in the first like six years or five years or however long it was. And it, and it was like, for me working out, became about the more I learn about myself the more I can help other people learn about themselves. And that's kind of like where my passion for working out, that's the, that's where the sustainability came from, right? Like that's where the, and then over the course of time, you know, I found myself more and more frequently, you know, when I'd pass by a mirror or put on a piece of clothing, I, I was like less, uh, critical about like how I looked and felt. And yeah. so I guess it was like that progression over time where I almost didn't even realize that I was doing something that I was so passionate about uh, for me, but how it started off as something completely different is, uh, is interesting. And like, uh, it's like, it's, it's a, at the end of the day, both of us still found like something we were passionate about and just kind of like went into it. But I think mine was like a slow burn and 
just re- like different realizations along the way and, and that progression and, and how things kind of start one way. And then they eventually, if it's going to be in your life for a long period of time, like you kind of have to find a sustainable, uh, uh so like the sustainability element, rhythm, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, and so the reason I can like relate it back to sports cards, like there's a lot of people at the beginning of the pandemic who might've had interest in sports cards, you know, much like me as a 15 year old in the gym. Um, there was like a lot of money to be made, made their money. You go to Target or Walmart, you buy boxes, you resell them. You know, it's like quick money. You're buying another thing. Two weeks later, you're selling it. Everything is good. And that only lasts like so long if it's just about the money, right? And then yeah. you transition into those like sustainability years where you're like, how do I, not even how do I keep making money, but it's like the focus is completely different. Like, how do I keep enjoying myself? Because I know that this is like, a part of my life that enhances my mood or enhances uh, how I interact with others. Or, you know, maybe it's the, you know, the, what you get from making deals and negotiating tactics and stuff like that. There are just so many intangibles that come with it. So you have to transition from that initial to this sustainability part. So I think that where we're at right now, so many people I'm talking to, they might've been making a lot, a lot of money at the beginning. And some of them, that's why they jumped in. And there are people that are like, oh, I hate those people because they ruined it for everybody. Um, which I don't agree with, by the way. But <laughs> we, we're in this stage now in the hobby where so many people are really in their like sustainability. Like, why am I here? What do I enjoy? What's going to keep me here? And so we're having those difficult conversations. And I think because of that, the people that are here now are probably not going anywhere. I, I agree with you. And you know what? I, I've got this full reflection about, what, five days ago? Because the, there's this uh, local newspaper. Well, the local news, newspaper is called La Presse. It's it's the biggest French newspaper you, you have out here. And they made um, an interview with me and, and two other guys about you know, the, the value of sports cards and how the market is. And, you know, in 2019, I think it was a $6 billion market and experts say that in 2028, it will be 58 billion or something. So it's, you know, and fanatics coming in. So people outside our small little hobby are getting interested financially about this. So uh, the journalist, you know, invited us over and we bring our PCs and he was looking at it, asking questions. And of course, a lot of this was about the money Always. in the sports cars. Yeah. So, and, and, and he was talking also about passion and all that stuff. But in, in the, the article he writ, he, he wrote, sorry about that. Don't worry. You're good. That, that was written. He said, and I, I said at a certain moment, yes, you know, sometimes you flip cards and I was very, uh, lucky to flip a, a you know one card for a lot of money so you know i i i bought myself plane tickets to australia for me and my girlfriend amazing and and he wrote he wrote in the articles you know sometimes you know there there's some profit that can be made uh you know going to just you know buy uh plane tickets or whatever i don't know i i don't want to translate it and i got so much shit man in, in on social media by people saying, you know, this, this is what it's all about. And I'm like, Hey, like the, the 
article is speaking about passion. And yes, you know, like I said, everyone does it. Everyone, you know, buys sports car. And you don't want to see any card that you're buying, even if it's your PC, whatever. Like you buy in a Kopitar, a Clark, or whatever, you don't want that card to drop eighty percent value. Yeah. So you know. Anyway, and for me, I'm still here, and I'm not going anywhere. Like I said, we talked about the passion of you know collecting this, completing a rainbow. You complete your sets. It's it's amazing, and everyone has their spot in the community. Like if if it wasn't for a a flipper or a dealer or call it what you want i would never have my clark yeah sure watch auto patch one of one if it wasn't for breaker this card wouldn't be out it would still be in box uh, in a box yeah so i mean i i don't see why we or people get mad by people making money if i buy a card from a guy you know the guy selling me the future watch auto patch if he makes a fucking million out of this, I couldn't give a shit. Like the guy is probably a super disciplined salesman, an entrepreneur, and he buys and sells and whatever. And he's part of the ecosystem and he's essential to it. Yeah. If if a collector like you doesn't exist, I mean, who would sell all these cards to finish sets and whatever? So, I mean, harmony. Can we have harmony in that hobby? It's already small enough. Like if we tear each other apart and that reflection for me, all of that going back to, um, I, I reflected, Hey, what's making me happy? Is it making me happy to go on all of these Facebook groups and, you know, seeing, uh, the, 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 the freaking laughing emoji at every single Connor Bedard card that is posted in there. Yeah. It, it's not making me happy, man. So I, I will just stay away from that have my PC of things I like. And yes, buying and selling some cards uh, when it comes to it. You know, at, at the Toronto Expo, I had so much fun meeting dealers, buying stuff and selling it back and ending the weekend with cards that I I didn't even think I would you know have in my hands. Yeah. It was fun. It was super fun. And I met some great people, which I think, which I still, you know, keep in touch once in a while. So yeah, just, just do what makes you happy and don't judge what anyone else is doing in the hobby unless they're scamming you, unless they're, you know, they're being uh, unreasonable on prices or whatever. And even then, if they're being unreasonable on prices, you know, before long, they will get corrected. You yeah, know, like you don't have to buy it. Do you know what yeah, I mean? You don't like, have to buy don't... it. Just, you know, go somewhere else and whatever. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because, uh, I mean, to your point, like there is an ecosystem and everyone is a part of that ecosystem and you know i've had this conversation with people when they're like uh why don't you rip like if you don't if if you don't rip then or if no one ripped then there no there'd be no singles so like you have to rip i'm like just because just because someone needs to rip doesn't mean it has to be me like i don't enjoy ripping i don't i don't get a thrill out of opening a pack and getting nothing or opening a Same. box out of getting nothing. Like that doesn't Same. do anything for me. And they're like, well, that's what the hobby is about. And I'm like, well, who are you to say like what the hobby is about though? Because like, it's just, it's been a different experience for everybody. Like growing up, I, I we never bought hobby boxes. Like I never was gifted a hobby box. I was given, given individual cards and I'd go to like my local card show. It wasn't even really a card show. It was just kind of like a, it was a setup in the back of a mall. Um, every Saturday from like 9 a.m. until 
I think it was 5 p.m. There'd be tables. And uh, one second here. It's all good. So I was in the back of a mall and there was probably like 12 tables. And it was sports cards. It was like random memorabilia. So you'd see like soccer jerseys. Maybe you'd see like an autographed uh, football, like just a bunch of like miscellaneous stuff. And it was great actually. And we went there quite frequently, but we'd go and buy individual cards. Like never did, I, did my family buy me at like a hobby box of any kind, truthfully growing up. It was always individual cards. And so that's how my experience with collecting all different types of things was. So, you know, for someone to be like, well, this is what the hobby's about. It's like, uh, and that's just not necessarily true for a good chunk of the, the of the hobby. And so again, when people are like, well, hobby boxes are too expensive now. And I'm like, well, I, I can't relate because I've never, they were always too expensive for me. Do you know what I mean? Like they were, yeah, yeah. they were always too expensive for me. So I don't, and again, I'm, I, it's awful that like the people who want to own these hobby boxes don't have the ability to own them, especially like in hockey. Now we're seeing series two pre-sales are crazy, especially in comparison to like what they normally are priced at. Um, but like, I'm like, that's a luxury I didn't have, you know, for the, the, the glory years of like my collecting as a kid. Right. So, and now I, I do have the luxury of doing it. And I'm like, I still don't, I don't want to buy that stuff. So it's just very interesting how everyone's very opinionated on like what's right and what's wrong. Uh, and we're not talking about like concrete right and wrong. We're not talking about, like you said, people who are scamming, people who are nefarious, um, you know, shady dealings. Like we're not talking about that stuff. We're talking no. people defining what your role is in the market. And I guess everyone wanting it to be streamlined it, but it just that, that the, there's no cohesion if everyone's doing the same shit. So no, and yeah, you're you're right. The passion of collecting is just not about cards, and that's a hobby too. It's the hobby that we're in is collecting. And you know, I like buying jerseys. It's I have way too many freaking jerseys, and I I just I enjoy that. And it's just I I see it, I get it. I probably wear it once or twice, and whatever put it in my wardrobe and just, you know, sometimes, Oh man, I have to, Hey, and my, my girlfriend was, was laughing at me last week because we're reorganizing things. And I'm like, Oh wow, this is my favorite Jersey. Oh no, it's this one. Oh, Oh. So, and she was like, they're all your favorite jerseys. I'm like, yeah, I love that. So no one's going to judge me because I buy whatever Jersey it is. You know what I mean? So it's the same thing about cards. It's how, like, who are you to tell someone, like, this is the hobby? No. You know, let, let's say we take the Toronto Expo. I'm sure that you and I would go with mics and ask, like, three questions to every single collector that's there or person that's there, and we wouldn't have the same answer anywhere. 100%. So that's the hobby for me. You know, everyone getting together for one passion that is collecting and oh, probably two sports as well. I don't see a lot of people that are there that you know don't like sports or are not into it or whatever. But yeah, it, it's just you know if we can have harmony and respect one another, and you know, I think you know everyone's going to enjoy even more the community that we're in. I love that. I feel like that's a, an amazing note to end on. Greg, man, I want everyone to check you out and your podcast. So can you please? Tell us where we can find you. 
uh, on the radio. Maybe we can reach out to you with any Brant Clarks moving forward. You know, any other, uh, any Kings cards moving forward. Just consume sure. content in general. Where can we find you? Um, Instagram. It's show d e c a r t e s yeah that's it got it right so uh which is card show but in french uh you can find me on facebook whatever greg longto you're gonna find me super easy there and uh yeah local radio station for every, uh, everyone speaking french is bpm sports i have a bunch of shows there a bunch of podcasts so um a lot of fun so that that's it I love it, man. I want to thank you once again for jumping on the podcast. Team, please go check out Greg Longto. Long you got it right. There you go. And uh, the show day cards, I will make sure that all of that is in the description. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Cardboard Coach. Team, have yourself a wonderful rest of your day. Coach Co and Greg are out of here. Peace. <laughs>